This week on the I Love Funny Women podcast. And my grandma said, no, she's normal. Sarah is the weird one. Like most kids don't act like that. She came in after I signed off and was like, I could hear you and you're gross. So now that you're vaccinated, you don't care if I die? And he was like, well, I mean, you know, kids will have one parent. Welcome to the I Love Funny Women podcast with your host, Dina Nina. Welcome to the I Love Funny Women podcast. I am your host, Dina Nina, and a huge thank you goes out to everyone who attended our St. Patrick's Day extravaganza. We had so much fun and you guys were so amazing. If you didn't get a chance to watch it or you just want to watch it again, you can go on over to ilovefunnywomen.com. You can find that as well as all of our stand-up episodes that we recorded a few years pre-pandemic. This week, I got vaccinated. Yep, I got the one dose. I drove into the convention center floor. The lady came over and pricked me. (laughs) What's new? She said, take a right and park in the lot. And if you get dizzy or short of breath or have any other adverse reactions, just put on your hazards and honk your horn. And one of those hot firemen will come over and help you. Um, Don't tempt me, lady. It's been a long pandemic. So I parked in the lot, waited 15 minutes, watched the hot firemen and car danced, and then I felt like I was in my 20s again. And then the next few days I proceeded to have chills, vomiting, and wanted to die for 14 hours, and then all of a sudden I was all good, just like in my 20s and all the alcohol poisoning incidents. Well now enough about me, how about news? Mar-a-Lago shut down their dining and beach club services last week due to a completely unforeseen COVID outbreak. The once exclusive, now exclusively white trash Republican destination sent an email to its membership reporting that some staff, (coughs) brown staff, had been diagnosed with COVID. They were promptly injected with hydroxychloroquine and bleach. A diner in my former home of Denton, Texas, Go Eagles, has put its foot down after Governor Dickweed opened the state fully. Legends Diner posted a notice to all patrons reading, New surcharges, $50 if I have to explain why masks are mandatory, and $75 if I have to hear you disagree. My former worship leader was heard yelling, You're an abomination, as he drove by. In the Fuxis Het White Guys file, Robert Aaron Long visited three spas in Georgia, killed eight people, six were women of Asian descent. Long said the murders were not racially motivated, but were to mitigate temptation to sin. Like he couldn't have just whacked off to Jesus in his mom's basement, he had to go out and kill women. Police said he was having a really bad day and that's what he did. Yet when I'm having a bad day, I cry in Menards in Johnson Creek, Wisconsin, and then they announce over the PA system that there's a distraught trans lady crying in the particle board department, and then the one lesbian in the city limits escorts me out and says they're just not comfortable with more than one of the LGBT letters represented in the city limits. So go fucking have therapy. Don't go out and fucking kill people. Stop selling cisgender, white, heteronormative men guns. Just fucking stop it. 
I mean, we know what the target demographic is. It's white, cisgender, heteronormative men who are going out and shooting people. Just fucking stop it. <laughs> it's spring break and Florida is inundated with spring breakers who have traded out their masks and sanitizer for tanning lotion and COVID. Let's check in with Karen, a 21-year-old spring breaker from Galena, Illinois. Hey, Karen, how's your Miami spring break? OMG, thanks for having me. I totally just rhymed. OMG, thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Karen... Hang on. Excuse me, I ordered a Mai Tai? I need to talk to your manager. So, Karen, you're very Karen. Um, yeah, that's my name. You can call me Ren if you want. All my friends do. Okay, Ren. So, you're in Florida without a mask. Don't you find that a little reckless? Okay, Boomer. No, Brad, I'm on the phone. He's a senior from the University of Texas. He is so fine in his Speedo. His abs are like, oh. Well, Ren, do you feel safe? Shaw, you know this pandemic is so sus. Oh, so what's sus about it? You know, it's just so not real. Oh, hey, my mom's calling me. She's watching my kids. Okay, thanks, Karen. Bye. Now let's go on over to Renee Hyden, our resident sextrologist. The sun in Pisces asks you to trust your gut. Mercury and Mars slap that ass and tickles your, well, your everything. I'm your resident sextrologist, Renee Hyden, and this is Sex with the Stars. The sun is still in Pisces this week and is ruled by Neptune. This anal annual conjunction will have you dreaming vividly and increasing your intuition. Pay close attention to hunches and trusting of your gut. If you swipe right and have a bad feeling, unmatch them and move on. Thank you. Next. Communication is mucked in these energies, so this is the week of safe words. Write it on paper and pass it to the front, because it needs to be cleared so headmistress knows. Thank you, mistress. On March 23rd, a big-ass square comes in, so move over. Coming through. Mercury and Pisces square with the god of war in Gemini. You could be ghosted. <laughs> What's new? Miscommunication will be amplified. Je ne comprends pas. Sexually, this time can be like low-key in a brothel full of teachers. Everyone gets an apple and good marks. Yes! Be aware of manipulations so that you can avoid getting mind-fucked while trying to get, well, fucked. Give yourself a learning curve while adjusting to the communication leg. Instead of words, use your actions. Touch, tickle, <laughs> nip, pinch, or pull. And by the time the full moon in Libra happens on the 28th, there will be a resolution of communication gridlock. Let your toes curl as the Libran moon harmonizes your vestigial deep feelings with all that's coming. Synchronize your voice with the pulses of her movement and the words will come. And so will you. Ugh. A lot. I'm your resident sextrologist, Renee Hyden, and this is Sex with the Stars. Back to you, Dina. Thanks, Renee. Can't wait for this pandemic to be over so I can include somebody in my Sex with the Stars activities. Well, this week we have one of my wonderful friends. She is a stand-up comedian from Madison, Wisconsin. Please welcome to the show, Sarah Schmidt. <laughs> I'm really excited to be talking to my friend, comedian from Madison, Wisconsin, Sarah Schmidt. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Hi. 
So Sarah and I go pretty far back. Like right when I first moved to Madison, I was working at this diner and you and your child used to come in all the time and we became friends. Yeah, we used to, you were our favorite all the time. Um, We would go and, you know, get our breakfast and hang out and... It was a special time for her and me, and we loved that place, like just building community and getting to know people and having people recognize us. Well, they recognize her, and <laughs> if, we, if we went in and didn't have the kids, people would be like, ignore us. But the second that Lily comes in, it's like, you know, Norm from Cheers. Everyone's like, Lily! <laughs> Lily is so Norm from Cheers, <laughs> except in a little body. <laughs> And she doesn't have really curly hair. No. (laughs) And, yeah. She's blonde. Right. (laughs) So she's really nothing like... Yeah. I mean... Norm from Cheers. So So one of the things that I love... Like, you and I, like, when, when I was waiting on the two of you, it just felt like such a fun interaction. I felt like we were family. Yeah. Um, Even from the from the beginning of just meeting you and like it felt really very organic and beautiful. Yeah. Now, one of the things I loved working about that at that diner was I got to meet a lot of people. So when I moved here and I'm fresh to a town, I got to meet everybody, but you're like one of the only people that have really stuck. Aww. And I think it's because you're a funny lady. Oh, thank you. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> and you took my class. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so basically, I paid to continue to be your friend. It's fine. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Most of my friends do. <laughs> I wouldn't give that up, like for the world. Like it's it it's been the most awesome. Like just uh, being able to learn from you and have fun and you know feel like you're part of our family in a lot of ways. You know, my family still talks about you my mom actually told me to tell you hello today oh so nance nance said tell dina i said hi tell her i said hi back I will. or i'll send her this episode i love it <laughs> it may be she may be like oh probably shouldn't have listened to this <laughs> now she's fine <laughs> so today's your birthday yay happy birthday you. you're 23 yay, again, <laughs> again. Thank you for celebrating your birthday with me. Oh my God, it's the best. Like, it's so fun. So, um, I love the way you tell your jokes. Like, I love where your jokes come from. And they come from your life. Yeah. As with most of us. Where do you find the most humor in your life? Most of the stuff uh, comes from my kids. Um, and my husband. Like, he <laughs> is so ridiculous full of dad jokes and puns and all these like groaners that um he just says the most ridiculous stuff and then it comes out and i'm like i I don't know the the stuff really happens like i think a lot of people you know play off of things in their life but people might make up you know part of what happened uh to kind of punch it up a little bit but in a lot of cases, I don't even have to do that because, like, this literally happened. <laughs> so, um, it makes it really... So, the jokes just write themselves, is what, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. And you know I love a groaner. Like, I love a groaner. Um, I've dated a lot of them. I, um, 
<laughs> and you guys, the two of you together, your whole family, you guys are just so quirky and funny. And I see, knowing your husband, I see that the jokes write themselves. <laughs> Yeah, and the kids, I mean, the kids being a product of the two of us and being around both of us, um, it's, it's... They are, like, the perfect mesh of the two of you. Like, you could not have, like, gone into a laboratory and said, okay, we're going to take this part of their DNA, this part of their DNA, and they'll be just like both of them. Yeah. Like, they're just like both of you. For sure. And I, I let um, my daughter crash my virtual happy hour Zoom with my coworkers because we did a Shit's Creek uh, trivia. And so she jumped on and just naturally started talking to everybody, cracking jokes, being a being but just she's, herself. And But she's so shy. <laughs> I ended up uh, thanking everybody for going with the flow because I was like, uh, I didn't even ask you guys if it was okay if she came, but... Now you know where she gets it from. Like, it's very obvious. You're all, we're paying her to host this, <laughs> to MC this. Yep. Hilarious. What is, like, one childhood memory that stands out as really funny? Um, it has to do more with my sister, actually. When we were little, um, my sister was a terror from the beginning. Um, my mom jokes that she was a pain in the ass from conception on. <laughs> I just never felt good and whatever. But she was pretty naughty and I was abnormally like obedient and pleasant and I wasn't like, like I listened, I took naps. Um, and then when my sister was born, my mom said to her mom, my grandma, like, what what is wrong with her? And my grandma said, no, she's normal. Sarah is the weird one. Like most kids don't act like that. So anyway, so that's the backstory. Um, but then when we were, we did like a Sunday drive. We were living outside of Kansas city and we went to some town or some cute little shops or whatever. And, um, back then they had those, uh, body washes that came in like a little plastic container that was it was like in the shape of something so it'd be like a mermaid with like the edges were sealed and you'd cut it open and you'd pour the bubble bath into your bath so we each got to pick one and she was just being my sister a hag like the whole time just complaining about not wanting to be there and then on the way home while she's like whining and complaining she just like bit into it because she was pissed and the soap went everywhere. And of course, you know, the soap in your mouth, I'm gonna wash your mouth out with soap, like all of that came in. Um, <clears throat> that was like, I don't, we didn't really have like ridiculous, crazy things. My mom was really strict growing up and um, didn't get to like be goofy until we got a little bit older. So mm -hmm. now um, we have very similar senses of humor. She's the pervy one in, the, in her group at work. And, <laughs> And all these things where I'm like, you weren't like that. So I didn't get that from you. Maybe she's just emulating me. <laughs> she just became me. She's like, I really admire my daughter. Yeah. She's enrolled in my next class. I'm just <laughs> And we used to like tease my dad. We'd play the penis game at dinner, you know, shouting out penis. Do you know what that is? No, I don't know the penis game. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like dumb and in high school and you like... You know, it's like 2 a.m. and you go in and like steak and shake and like one person starts out saying penis like really quietly. And then 
each person who says it has to progressively get a little bit louder until like potentially you, one of you is shouting penis in a restaurant. Um, so it's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Um, but we would do that at the dinner table because he would get so like beat red and embarrassed and, um, you would do that to your dad. We would just say penis. That is hilarious. Like, so if I would have said penis at a at a dinner table and restaurant, even anywhere. Oh no, not as, at the. We did it at home with dad, but like the restaurants was it with friends. Yeah. <laughs> if I were to do that, if I would have ever said penis in front of my family, I would be in trouble. I would have been in trouble. So, your family seemed a lot. Less strict than mine were. <laughs> yeah. It was... They're like, we don't say penis at the dinner table. <laughs> um, how did your family react when you came out as a stand-up comic? Um, they thought it was cool. Um, I think my husband bought the gift certificate for me yeah. to take the class. Um and so I had been toying around with the idea of stand-up or improv and one of the two. And for me, getting up on stage and acting like a fool, potentially, like with improv, seemed easier. <laughs> and I wanted to challenge myself and did stand-up because you're really having to, like, work for, yeah, you know, that interaction. Uh, come to find out, I did a show where the stand-ups... <laughs> The comedians do their stand-up and then do improv with uh, a group of improvisers. And um, it's way harder than I thought it was. I felt so awkward. It's way harder in the sense that, like, I get it. Because, like, my improv teacher in when I was in L.A. was like, you probably shouldn't ever do improv. Like, you just maybe go somewhere else. You know, you should try stand-up. And I was like, I'm already... Stand up. He's like, okay, keep trying. And I was like, okay, anyway. So I I find improv very challenging, but because I know what I'm going to say most of the time when I get on stage, there are a couple times when you have like stand up improv things, like you when you do crowd work or when somebody when you have a heckler in the audience, like right. you have to come up with something. Um, and usually that's like, and, and this is the funny thing. Most stand-up comics are like, I'm, I'm like situationally funny, but then you try to be improv funny and you're like, well, what about that situation? Why am I not good at that? Right. You have to like be so quick on your feet and yeah, you have to do that in stand-up, like you said, with hecklers or, um, you know, just doing crowd work or whatever, or if you're hosting a show and you're kind of riffing off of, um, what the the last comedian said but it is not the same like we have so much time to prepare and perfect and do the same sets potentially over and over yeah. to try to get that down. and and like if you're riffing off of somebody's set you're riffing off their set and you're planning it ahead before you get on That's stage yep. so it's not actual improv it's just like writing a joke really quickly because you know what they do so right. that yeah, yeah. um but my family was stoked. Yeah. I love it. Um, what do you love most about comedy? I like the exchange of energy. Um, I, Ooh, that, that sounds hot. So sexy. Um, I do really like, you know, getting up there and 
you, you got to work for it. You know, you want to, you want to get a reaction. Obviously you want people to think you're funny, but when people are really into it, it like fuels you and yeah. you give back. there's like this give and take that happens. Um, and that was a little bit more difficult for me at the beginning of the pandemic to, and still I think difficult, um, when there isn't that same type of exchange of energy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like, I think that's what I miss most. That and spitting on a mic and handing it off to somebody else to spit on. And right. just being like, we shared all, all this spit. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah, it's just want to share that mic spit with everyone. Kiss everyone. <laughs> lick it. It's everyone like gets a lick. comedy kissing. Mm. It's like, I made out with the mic. Mm. Now you're making out with the mic. Like, that's so creepy. It's like, it's like in college when we all shared the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just or last month. Um, right. Uh, just kidding. Just, that, that didn't. <laughs> so how's your pandemic been? <laughs> oh, you know, it's been rough. Uh, it started out kind of cool, right? We were, we were like, oh, we've got a couple weeks off and we're supposed to stay home. And I, you know, bought a cast iron Dutch oven and made two loaves of bread and <laughs> and we like did all these hikes and watched movies and played games and then it just got real old real fast. You're like we watched all the movies, like, oh hiked God. all the he- trails. There's only so many times you can watch uh Minecraft videos on YouTube. Um my kids watching other people play games is apparently more fun than actually playing the games themselves, but um it's it's getting a little bit better, I think. Like, we've kind of adjusted to it and working at home and doing school at home and um, just being within those four walls with the same people all the time. I think missing out on time alone, like being alone at home. I think when you and I were talking yesterday, um, I was like, there's nobody in my house. Like, that doesn't happen right yeah. now during the pandemic. Like, very rarely am I home alone. So... Um, it's been all right, though. Okay. Uh, you know. <laughs> it's been all right. I'm on new meds. Starting <laughs> with therapy again. I love new meds. I love therapy. Oh, my God. What's the funniest thing that's happened throughout the pandemic for you? Oh, my God. Um, one of my coworkers thought that she was muted on Zoom. <laughs> she was, she was actually muted and then unmuted herself thinking it was the opposite and just shouted stop licking (laughs) and she was talking to her dog and we all just stopped (laughs) it's like there's like those random like weird things um i don't i don't know that we've had like any like real serious it's been pretty boring My husband has been very vigilant throughout the pandemic, so um, not that I'm not, but we aren't exactly at the exact same level of carefulness, I guess. Um, So that's been a little bit interesting. Um, It's it's weird because, like, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was washing everything that came into the house. Right. I wore gloves everywhere. I wore masks everywhere. And there is a bit of pandemic exhaustion, I guess, that you just kind of stop being as vigilant. But 
or some people get extra extra vigilant. Mm-hmm. Um, your your reaction seems more normal. Yeah, yeah. It it's really interesting because you know we only knew what we knew at the beginning, mm-hmm. and as we've learned a little bit more, um, but there are still some things that were happening at the beginning of the pandemic, like mm-hmm. wiping down Amazon boxes that yeah. came to the house, and. Um, Potentially still wiping down the thing inside the box also, just to be sure, you know, whereas I felt like it's probably okay. We could stop doing that. We know more about how it travels, whatever. But yeah. So then my husband got a vaccine, (laughs) the first (laughs) dose. And I said, and you're like, I'm going to dinner. I was like, I'd really (laughs) like to go back to the gym. And he was like, well, I'm vaccinated now. Or, you know, I will be in a month fully vaccinated so you can probably go back to the gym then and i was like so now that you're vaccinated you don't care if i die and he was like well i mean you know kids will have one parent your, your, insurance, your insurance is better than mine so you know they'll be provided for oh my god that's hilarious that is so funny so last time you did comedy in person? On stage, yeah. Uh, I did a show here in town with Allie Lindsay at um, Comedy at the Cabaret. And this was like literally, I, I think we were deciding if it was going to happen, if we were going to go. And uh, God, I'm so glad I did. Like it was like the last yeah. time that we were all kind of all together. Um, and a, And I think... It was the last show for a, a lot of the people that were there. I don't think people kind of went out and... Yeah. I can't wait to do that show again. Yeah. Allie. Allie, so, if you're listening. <laughs> you're also were one of the co-producers for the X-Ray F when we did it live. Yeah. So and, fun. And you're going to be the producer. Yay! Well... <laughs> when everything opens yeah. up. How do you feel about that? How com- comfortable do you feel... At this current point, knowing that you'll be vaccinated mm-hmm. by the time we actually are able to open up to have a show. I think I think by the time that, you know, all parties involved are ready to start opening up, um, we're still kind of building, I think, the show up and, you know, maybe maybe nobody will show. Maybe, maybe we'll have a full house because everybody will feel all giddy to get outside. Um, but you know, if it's like sometime this summer, I feel like a lot more people will be feeling more comfortable and more people will be vaccinated. More people will be vaccinated. Um, and as long as, you know, I'm sure we'll still have other precautions to take. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to get back on stage again because I've enjoyed the virtual shows I've done. I've gotten to perform with comedians from across the country and somebody in Japan, right? Like, so that was really awesome. Um, But there's nothing like, you know, being on stage. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I think, will you continue to do virtual shows after we kind of open up and hopefully get back to some normality? Probably if I have to. If you have to. (laughs) I... That was so real. It really She's is. Like, I really don't want to. <laughs> I mean, we have to do things that we don't necessarily want to do all right. the time. It's still fun. I still 
kind of get the endorphins going and feel really great after a show. Um, but but the, after one of the last ones, uh, my daughter was in the other room and, you know, some of one of my jokes talks about, uh, you know, intimate times with my husband and she came in after I signed off and was like, I could hear you and you're gross. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be part of my intro going forward. Um, but it's, I like it. I like being in person because it gives me a night away. You know, I get to leave the house have a drink or two, do my thing, meet people, hear funny people. Not be judged from your tween. Right. <laughs> Not be told I'm gross. <laughs> um, and, and then I get to go home and, you know, go to bed. <laughs> so I'm sure that I, w- I will. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I would like to do more in person. So one of the things that I love about the comedy journey is what we learn about ourselves. Um, During this comedy journey, what is something that you've learned about yourself? I think it's made me realize, um, you know, people have asked, well, how long have you been doing stand-up? And I'm tempted to say, since I was like, you know, eight, ten years old. But over the last year and a half, um, kind of realizing... (laughs) how much of my life then is really uh, I have to separate the being on stage and trying to get people to like me or my comedy and uh, just feel confident with myself and that I might not be everybody's cup of tea because I have this Mm -hmm. like intense desire to be liked I you know I like don't (laughs) like it if people don't like me because I'm like I think I'm really cool but then I also am hyper aware and have like all this anxiety so I'm like I'm also really annoying and I talk a lot and I interrupt people sometimes and you know like and 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 I just like keep going on and on and so it's really oh this time being off has allowed me to kind of like look inside and see where's that balance yeah you know but I think a lot of people who do comedy were probably can relate to that because it's literally your job to be judged by an audience on how funny you are. It's the worst. <laughs> it's like the worst. And yet we continue to keep And we keep doing it. doing it. Oh my God. It's like, here, this tastes <laughs> awful. Try it. <laughs> oh, that smells terrible. Smell. Yeah. Oh, this smells like dog shit. Here. <laughs> Everybody's going to want to try comedy after that <laughs> glowing review of right? comedy. <laughs> but yeah, we all still keep going back and we yeah. can't stop. Mm-hmm. And I always say that we're extremely broken people. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> some people have some self-respect and get up on stage and... You know, no, no. <laughs> talk about the things that you... I don't know. I couldn't do a clean show, so... Tell me what I can, you know, I tried to do a clean thing and this lady was like, well, it seemed like you were forcing it. <laughs> no shit. And I was like, because I'm not a clean comic. My, uh, some of my coworkers wanted to come to a show and they used to come actually, um, uh, every week or every show, like every month. And I had to let them know right beforehand. I just need to warn you, like, 
I talk about my vagina, and it's not safe for work. Like, <laughs> just know. <laughs> you cannot. What happens at the comedy club right. stays in the comedy right. club. Don't bring it into my workplace. Right. And so I find myself just being like, okay, I'm not not going to talk about it. You know, if they want to ask me when my shows are, that's fine. <laughs> and um, Kyle in marketing comes up to you, hey, musty vagina. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> And you're like, Kyle, in marketing, you're in marketing. Stay there. <laughs> Don't come by me anymore. <laughs> uh. I love you so much. I love you. Uh, I'm so lame to the interview. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Thank you for listening this week. You can find our guest, Sarah Schmidt, on Instagram at Sarah Schmidt Official. She also helped write this episode with me. Thank you to our announcer, Krista Garner. And playing Karen slash Wren was Paige Bryan. The I Love Funny Women podcast is an Artemis Glow studio production in association with AMG and Crossover Media. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.